You are now listening to the Rose of Sharon Church podcast. It is our prayer that God challenges your heart during this week's message. If you would like to let us know what God is doing in your life, please email us at rostnshare at gmail.com. We're glad you're here. Welcome home to Rose of Sharon Church. But let me just share this with you, brother and sister. That every Christian, every Christian, should vote. You should vote. Because even if you have to hold your nose even to do it, you still need to vote. Why? Because, brother and sister, I believe that we need to be active in affecting government's decisions and government's direction whenever we can. But just remember this. It is not legislation that defines us as Christian people. It is our heart and our practices. Let me just share that again. It is not legislation that defines us as a Christian people. It is our heart and it is our practices. It is our actions. It is our word. Christian people, it is our heart that defines us as being Christians. Because as your heart goes, so go your actions. And if your actions are wrong, then your heart's wrong. So as the church, if we want to return this nation to Judeo-Christian roots, should we not put our efforts, not just in voting, not in just speaking to political causes, not just coming to a place that we, are, um, that we are just trying to rally to the support of this piece of legislation or this or that. But brother and sisters, should we also not put our efforts in changing the hearts that are around us instead, instead of just concentrating on politics and politics alone? Now why would you say that? Because brother and sister, understand this. When the elephant, the Republican mascot, and the donkey, the Democratic mascot, when they collide every election, there is always strife, there's always fear that is played upon by both parties. And the only thing it does is further divide a nation. Instead of unifying, we become more and more divided. Why? Because it works. Okay? elections, they work. How do they work? They take a person that they speak to an issue and they try to divide it and make the other person look so bad that you get scared about it and then immediately you'll work hard to be able to make sure the other person doesn't get elected. So if there's no strife, if there's no problems, then you have a lazy, apathetic voting block. Well, what do they not do? They don't vote. 
Have you ever wondered why in the world that every four years there's always some kind of, normally your gas prices go up out of the wazoo? Why? Because, well, it's an it's a issue. You have all these different issues that come rising up. You have people speaking out against, if they, you know, this person gets elected, then your Social Security's gone. This person gets elected, your right to this gets gone. Or if this person gets elected, then this happens. Or if this person gets elected, that happens. What are they doing? They are dividing so that they can be able to get you right aggravated so that you'll go vote. Now, brother and sister, understand something. In this atmosphere that is filled with strife, uncertainty, and fear. In this atmosphere that is constantly in a place where we are trying to be able, everybody's a boogeyman and everybody's this. I didn't even know this, but I guess that there was some kind of attempt or something went on at a Trump rally last night. And you got all kinds of stuff that's going on, you know, attempted assassination or something that was going on. It's just kind of crazy. You know, all kinds of stuff that is happening in the world that is completely makes an environment filled with strife and fear. But brother and sister, let me give you two principles that should dispel every bit of apprehension about who's going to win and everything else and everything that's going on. And oh dear God, the, the country's going to hell in a handbasket. And brother and sister, it can dispel that apprehension and it can fill you with hope. And with courage this morning. Two things. Two things that we need to remember when the elephant and the donkey collide. Number one is this. No matter who wins. Trump wins or Miss Clinton wins. Guess what? No matter who wins... The Lord Jesus Christ still reigns. Let me just say that again for some of you that, that, that completely got offended by the very front of, of this message. Let me just share this with you. It doesn't matter who wins because it will not affect this one thing. Jesus Christ is still going to be on the throne. Now, you may like it better if one candidate wins over the other. But brother and sister, understand this. If your preferred candidate wins, Jesus is still going to be on the throne. If your not preferred candidate wins, guess what? Jesus is still going to be on the throne. Amen? <coughs> so brother and sister, understand this. Jesus is going to be on the throne. Listen to what the Word of God says in Isaiah chapter 9, beginning in verse 6. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon who? His shoulders. My Lord have mercy. And his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom. Look at somebody and say, his kingdom. His kingdom. To order it and to establish it with judgment and justice. From that time forward, 
even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Let me share this with you. Jesus came to earth as our hope for redemption. He came as our redemption from sin. He was the answer for the sin problem. He was the permanent answer for the sin problem. But Isaiah prophesies that he will affect the government as he is the head of his kingdom. Catch this, catch this. Understand this. As sure as he is the Messiah, we can be just as assured that he is going to affect the government. As the head of what? His kingdom. Oh, Lord, have mercy. Catch this. So today, what does that mean for us? Even as Christ is the head of his kingdom. Well, what is his kingdom? His kingdom is the church. He is moving governments so that eventually his throne will be installed for the millennial reign of Christ. Oh, Lord, have mercy. Let me just share this with you. In other words, brother and sister, the Lord has everything under control. The rise of nations, the fall of nations are all part of his kingdom plan. Oh, my Lord, have mercy. Realize something, brother and sister. He states this, that even if, even as he has come to be the redemption of sin, the government will be upon his shoulders. He is going to affect government as he is the head of his kingdom. Let me just share some of you. Even as he begins to move toward the time whenever he will reign, rule and reign on earth, understand this. He is even now still affecting governments and he's still affecting kingdoms. Oh, Jesus. He's in the midst of affecting because, brother and sister, there is a kingdom plan for you. There is a kingdom plan, brother and sister, that God has for you as a member of that kingdom. Listen very carefully. The government rests on his shoulders. The Lord reigns. No matter what happens this Tuesday, when the elephant and the donkey collide, the Lord will still work his kingdom plan. He will still be in control. He will still be in control. Listen, that gives me great hope. That gives me great hope for tomorrow. Gives me great hope for Tuesday night. Gives me great hope for Wednesday. Gives me great hope in January when whichever one fills the Oval Office. Why? Because brother and sister, understand this. It is a point, it is a time that the Lord is still going to be on the throne. He is still the one that's in control. And he is at the head of his kingdom, working his kingdom plan. Now catch this. Ephesians chapter 1. Look at verse 20. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 20 states this. 
You have it, say amen. I want you to look at this. Which, now I'm picking up right in the middle of this, but he's talking about Jesus, and he's talking about him coming, and he's talking about him serving, and he's talking about him being now dying for our sins, being resurrected from the dead. Now listen to what happens in verse 20. Which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him. Now catch this. The Lord has been seated at the right hand in heavenly places far above all principalities and power and might and dominion and every name that is named not only in this age but also in the age to come. Listen, let me just share this with you. Notice three things in these two verses. Notice three things, very important. Where is Christ at in this passage of Scripture? Okay, he's at the right hand of the Father. But listen to the, the verb that, they, that he uses there. He is what? He is seated. He is seated. He, brother and sister, has taken his place on the throne. He is on the throne. Listen to this. What is the position of Christ's throne? Do what? He's at the right hand of the Father, but look at what else. The position is, and we, I think I heard it a couple places, and that is in heavenly places above what? All. all. My Lord, touch your neighbor and say all. My Lord, have mercy. Touch your neighbor and say all, 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 all. 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 A-L-L. All. All what? Principalities. Powers. Let me just share this with you. What is principalities? Principalities is another word for governments. Brother and sister, can I share this with you? The Lord Jesus Christ, He is on the right hand of the Father. He is seated in authority. He is seated in power. He is seated at a place where all power, all authority has been given to Him according to Philippians chapter 1 and under Philippians chapter 2. And understand something, brother and sister. We work under His authority. And understand He is seated at the right hand of the Father far above Every government, every power, everything, you can't hold leverage against God. He is seated above everything. In Ephesians 1 and verse 21, notice this, that we're given insight. Well, let me go to the third thing very quickly. What is the duration? What is the duration? Of his kingdom. What is the duration of his reign of sitting on the throne? What does the word of God say? He says, through this age and the one to come. Hallelujah. Let me just catch that for a second. He is the authority of this age and of the age to come. 
He is seated in, a, seated in a place of all authority. Where every earthly government, every earthly power, every demonic power, everything is underneath him in his authority. And he is there not, if you'll read this passage of scripture, it does not say that there's an exemption clause that says if Hillary Clinton wins or if Donald Trump wins, then everything's called off. What it does say is this, brother and sister, that no matter what is going on in this principality, in this, oh, in this dominion, in this world, hear me, brother and sister, Jesus Christ is going to be on the throne and he's going to be here in this age and in the age to come. My Lord, have mercy. I'm just going to preach. Hear me, brother and sister. We've come to a position. Understand. The Lord is on the throne. And this is the thing that just blows my mind. Because in Ephesians 1 and verse 21, we are also given insight in what happens is not just by happenstance. Okay? What happens is not just by coincidence. The Lord is not going to be surprised at who wins on Tuesday. So don't be surprised. Why? Because if you begin to read in between the lines, you begin to realize something. That the Lord, He's not playing for just the temporary. He's praying, playing for the eternal. He has set things into motion that may work in the temporary, but will also work for our good long term and will bring forth His kingdom plan Later on. Let me, my Lord, have mercy. Let me share this, brother and sister. Understand something. There is something called the sovereignty of God. The sovereignty of God allows me to know this, that God is all-knowing. There is nothing that at all that can be able to catch Him unaware. He's all-knowing and He's the all-powerful. But brother and sister, understand this. He is unlimited in His scope and in His nature and in His knowledge. But there's one area that He will completely and totally limit Himself in. And that is this. Your free will. Let me just share something with you. The Lord gives you every opportunity to be able to work on your behalf. Even whenever the Lord still knows if you're going to make it or if you're not going to make it. Can I just share something with you? I, you know, sometimes you get to a point that you start talking about the sovereignty of God compared to the, the free will of a human being, you're like going, how does that happen? And the Lord knows what I'm going to do before I do it. <laughs> and that there's power in my choice. How is that? That's it. It's very simple. If you are a parent, you experience this all the time. Because I can be able to come to a position that I give my child every opportunity to prove their trustworthiness even though I'm still going no 
No. But what is it doing? My ability to begin to sow into them trustworthiness means that I have to trust them. Even if I know they are going to probably mess up and fail. But yet what do I do? I recognize this. They need every opportunity to grow into a man or a woman of trustworthiness. So I give them things to do even if you know they're going to mess it up at times. So same way, brother and sister, the Lord looks at every single one of us and he recognizes this. Yes, I have a plan for you. Yes, I have a strategic kingdom plan for you. Yes, I know that this isn't the end. I'm going to set up my rule and reign on earth. This is the end game. But brother and sister, for that to happen, these things have got to happen. But guess what? He gives us the ability to be able to work within that plan to change. Look at this. Look at this. Look at Ephesians chapter 1, verse 22. Look here. Understand this. He is seated in the throne. Okay? Verse 22. And he has put what? All things under his what? Feet. And gave him to be head over all things to the church. Which is his body, the fullness of him who feels all in all. So brother and sister, you know, how can I be able to change this nation? How can I be able to change? Yeah, you can be able to vote. Make your, give your voice to the decision process. Of what you think is best whenever you take their platforms and you line it up with the word and you say, this is what it needs to be. No candidate will be morally completely flawless. I wish, dear God, wish we had Christian folks that would run for presidents. But, but understand this. There will be times that there are moral fail and there will be things that go on. But understand this. The one way that we can always be able to change the course of our democracy and our nation. And that is this. That brother and sister understand this one fact. That even as the Christ, almighty God, even as the Lord Jesus Christ is the great authority over every dominion, over every power, understand that, that his authority flows to us in the church. And that we become the instruments of the kingdom of, he, of, of God. And we become the ambassadors of the kingdom of God. And brother and sister, how do we begin to change this nation into a nation that begins to once again begin to understand godly principles? To begin to follow after a God that loves them and not legally uh, some legislation make them do it? Brother and sister, that is this. We work under the authority of Jesus Christ to change people's lives and their hearts one person at a time. Brother and sister, this is the power here. That if you change hearts, you eventually change governments. If you change hearts, you will eventually change governments. It will always happen with local to state, to nation. 
Why? Because it extends out into whatever you're closest to. That's why the, the found, well, I ain't got time to talk about that. That's why the found, but I'll, do, I'll give you this nugget. That's why the founders in the, in the Constitution wanted more power to be with the individual areas. Why? Because you have more control over them. So anyway, let me just share this with you. Brother and sister, understand. Change hearts. You eventually change the government. If you change hearts, your neighbor. And share the gospel with them. And see their life changed. Then their heart. Mixed with your heart. Mixed with the next person's heart. You begin to build something. That is the kingdom of God. That is then beginning to be worked out. In our government of the United States of America. And that leads me now into the second principle. And that is this. That should dispel every bit of apprehension and allow you to be able to have hope and courage. That no matter who wins, we can still have an effect. Isaiah chapter 60, look at verse 1. Listen to what the Word of God says. Isaiah 60, beginning in verse 1. Listen to what this. Arise, shine. For your light has come. And the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. Mm. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth. And deep darkness the people. But the Lord will arise on you. And his glory will be seen upon you. I'm here to tell you something, brother and sister. Let me, let me just share this with you. For it, for the kingdom of God to progress and for us to be able to see, there will eventually be an end time. I believe that we're on a downward trail toward the end of time. You look at what begins to happen. Jesus is setting up for his return. Jesus is setting up for his return. Brother and sister, let me just share this with you. That even as things get darker and darker, I mean, I, you know, let me just share, and let me just speak this to you, brother and sister. That there will come a time that there will be darkness. Fields, area. Did you realize this? That in the state of California, There was a Democratic, actually a major party, the Democratic State Party put before the state governing body that would outlaw any type of preaching from the gospel about certain lifestyles. They would call it hate crime and thereby be sentenced or sentenced or have the uh, the ability to sentence any preacher any person that speaks out against life's different lifestyles, they can send them to jail. It's still there, okay? It's still there. They just tabled it. But it's still there. I understand, brother and sister. You can say, Pastor Tim, but that's in California. Everything happens in California. They, they're crazy folks out there. But can I share something with you, brother and sister? Understand something. What happens there eventually moves 
It has an effect in Washington. Why? Because they have the greatest amount of delegates to Washington. Why? Because it's a big state. Let me just share this with you, brother. So you say, Pastor Tim, what, but, 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 what, are, what are you talking about? Saying this, brother, so there will come times that there will be darkness that covers. There will be times and there will be seasons when you look around and you're like going, man, this is not going right. Okay? The, the tide of, of a bit. Do you realize, brother and sister, there's a lot of things that are Judeo-Christian ethics that are being replaced with a more humanist society as older Americans are dying. Millennials that are coming through, generations that are, that are in their 20s now and into the, coming into their 30s, they are replacing an older generation with a different set of ethics. Why? Because they never were brought to church and stayed in church. They had parents that dropped them off but never ever stayed with them. And they're raising up a generation that is bringing forth a government that is becoming more and more post-Judeo-Christian in, in its attitude. Now how can you be able to say that? How can you be able to talk about that? Well, you can be able to talk about it even with just the, the gender bathroom bill. Okay? You can be able to see all that. You can be able to look at that. Now, was there any problem that was going on? You know what? I've never heard of any problem with it, with that whole concept. Never heard of anything that there was a problem, but somebody all of a sudden started, and guess what? It blew up. Now, brother and sister, understand something. That is nothing more than just signs that there is a generational shift that's going on. But understand this. How do you correct it? You correct it, number one, by voting. You do it the second way, and that is this, the most important way, because you can only vote every few years. But you can do this second principle all the time. You can affect people by what? Allowing them to see Jesus in your life. Understand, realize something, that as darkness comes, realize light becomes brighter. When darkness comes, light becomes brighter. It becomes more unique. It becomes more precious. It becomes more of what we need. So brother and sister, understand something. Even as times change, even as things begin to change, realize this, that the same light of God that He wants to shine in you, listen to what it says in verse 3. For Gentiles will come, what? To your light. And kings to the brightness of your rising. My Lord have mercy. Brother, listen, let me just share something with you. If you want to have an effect on your government, on the people around you, then shine for Jesus. Shine for Jesus. Allow God to be God in your life. Hear me, brother and sister, when we as the church begin to operate in the authority of the King Lord Jesus Christ over His kingdom and begin to work in His power and work in His strength and His grace and His compassion, and brother and sister, understand what begins to happen. The Lord shines in us and we begin to reflect the light of Almighty God. 
I was talking to a Chi Alpha pastor the other day. He told me, he said, Pastor Tim, he said, listen. He said, we, you, you think that we're living on the prefaces or the, you know, of declining morals? He says, I live with these college students. I've been living with these college students for, you know, I think now, I think he's been to college. Um, a Chi Alpha is, is what it is. It is the, uh, the Greek fraternity order or a substitute for the church. They're on campus. They have church services. It's a, it's a church on campus. For the University of Memphis, there's a campus there, a Chi Alpha group, and they are like the church for those students. So that when other people go pledge to the Greek sorority, the frats, everything else, they have a chance to be able to go to Chi Alpha to be able to be involved in a, in a, in a uh, community of believers. He was telling me this. He said, you know what? I see this all the time. I see him come in from all over the world. Have no idea of who Christ is. Have no idea. Completely and totally raised up into something that I have no idea. He said, you know what? You are looking at a world that's declining Judeo-Christian values. He's saying, he told me, he says, man, I live in a world that is post-Christian. Because if you are a Christian now on those campuses, he says, you pay for it. When they say, hey, I'm a Christian, they look at you and they look at you in a mean kind of way. And he says, what is happening? And do you realize this, that more pastors are being brought into an assembly of God churches today through Chi Alpha than through the actual Bible colleges? Why? Because they have been on the front lines of people persecuting them for being a child of God and they're coming out as prayer warriors and men and women of God. Now let me just share this with you for just a moment. Whenever darkness comes its greatest, that means what? The light is able to shine. And when the, listen to how he says, Arise and shine, for your light has come. And the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. So notice the sequence. Your light is coming. And when it gets there, the Lord's glory rises upon you. And guess what? Shines out. Brother and sister, if you're not shining where people can be able to see that there's something different in you, let me just share something. You need to get alone with the one that allows you to shine. You need to once again begin to come into a relationship with the Lord where there's fellowship between you and the Lord. Because the more time that you spend with the Lord, the Lord begins to shine out of you in ways that just bless you. You don't have to try to be a billboard for the Lord. You don't have to wear your Christian t-shirt that says, I'm a child of God. Ask me. Why? Because there is a light that shines out of you. Listen to this, and let me finish with this tonight. Matthew chapter 5. Verse 14. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill that cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand. And it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men. That they may see your good works and glorify your Father that is in heaven. Light radiates 
And it draws attention. It draws people. He says this in verse 14. Let your light shine. Let it shine. Let your light shine. Irradiate Christ. Irradiate. Let Christ rise in your life. And let it radiate out. Let it shine out. Listen to what it says. Let them see your good works and glorify. In other words, what? That light brings about a tangible, physical reaction. The light radiates as we are shining in our own lives. As we go about life. The Lord wants to put a light in you and he wants you to go to work. He wants you to shine. See, you're going to have an impact by radiating Christ in your attitude, in your fortitude, in your compassion, in your language, in your actions. Brother, sister, as we change hearts and lives by introducing people to that light, we eventually not only affect their life, but eventually we affect governments. See, to affect a government, the church's best strategy is to vote, present issues that concern us to the proper government offices, but most importantly, we need to change the people's lives around us by allowing Christ to shine in us. The problem with that missional objective is this. That if the church is not showing Jesus, then lives are not changing. Then government will consistently keep sliding toward a post-Christian government that penalizes religious speak and activity. If you truly want to be able to see the Lord change America, vote. But next... Next, you need to reach out to the people that are beside you so that they can be able to see Jesus so that their life can be changed. Then all of a sudden, you've got two people voting biblical values. All of a sudden, you've got people that are ready to be able to follow you and make a change. Brother and sister, the question comes down to this. What does your life radiate? When the, when the elephant and the donkey collide, what is it that you radiate? What are the people around you? What do they see? They see a fighting mad person that's only in for themselves where they see Jesus. See Jesus. Show them Jesus. When you're at Kroger, show them Jesus. When you're at the gas pump, show them Jesus. 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 
on Jesus. Father, in the name of Jesus. Father, I thank you, Lord, today. Lord, for your presence. Dear God, Lord, today I, I recognize this, that you want to show up in our lives. Dear Lord, this morning I, I tried to be able to give a parody of these two candidates. I tried to give a parody, Lord, of, of just not so much where they stand, but just what it's looked like on the outside as they fought, looking for votes. Dear God, to be honest, Lord, this election, it's a very important election. But dear God, Lord, this much I do know, what we, the decision that we make in the next few moments can change our life more than just that election. Because dear Lord, if there's somebody in this room that does not know you as their personal Lord and Savior, I pray right now in the name of Jesus that you will reach out to them, that you will convict them, that you will allow them to know that Lord, there's a better way. I pray Lord right now, dear God, Lord, that your presence has already been talking to them. You're here this morning, you say, Pastor Tim, I do not know Jesus as my personal Savior. I don't know Him. But I do know this. And my world is in shambles. There are things going on in my world. I need hope. I need the Lord to touch me. You're here, and at the sound of my voice, you say, Pastor Tim, I need Jesus. I need Jesus to change me. I need Jesus to work in my life. If that's you here, I want you to just lift up your hand this morning. I want you to look at, just lift up your hand this morning. You say, Pastor Tim, I need Jesus. One here this morning. One here this morning. In the name of Jesus. And brother said, let me ask you this. How many of you say, Pastor, I want to radiate Jesus this morning. I want to radiate Jesus. I want Jesus to shine in my life. So that I can be able to have others see Jesus in me. That I can see them change because of what's happening in me. I pray in the name of Jesus. If that's you here this morning, I want you to just lift up a hand this morning. Thank you. Hands all over the place. Morning, if you want to shine Jesus... So that others see it. And that they are challenged to make a change. That's what I want to see across.